This is MJ. I'm an author. I'm an artist. I'm an analyzer. You can find all my work at MJMunoz.com. Welcome to my fully operational Star Wars analysis. I'm talking about episode 6 of the classic, the only, the real Star Wars saga. Uh, of course, episode 6 would be Return of the Jedi. You thought I was going to say Revenge of the Sith, didn't you? No, I don't play that way, okay? MJ don't play that way. Anyway, so uh, this is the last leg on my journey to Ahsoka, because uh, I'm re-watching the original saga in 2023 in preparation for Ahsoka, partly because Ahsoka takes place after, uh, well, <laughs> it takes place after Return of the Jedi, somewhere in and around Mando, and I don't exactly know where, because as far as I can tell, they are playing fast and loose with where things are. Mando takes place five years post-Return of the Jedi. I believe some of this Ahsoka show may take place shortly after, like, uh, Rebels, the cartoon series, had a flash-forward, sort of, uh, yeah, had a flash-forward to post-Return uh, of the Jedi, and I don't even know how far past Return of the Jedi that was, but I believe some of the Ahsoka show happens during that time period, and then it kind of maybe jumps around a little bit, so I'm not 100% sure. But regardless, it's in that era, it's in that milieu, and uh, it just, it'd been a long time since I sat down and watched the Star Wars movies, and I thought, you know what, it's time. So I decided I'll do it as a journey to Ahsoka, and then I'll get into talking about Ahsoka. But I don't want to talk about Ahsoka anymore, because, uh, you know, I'm all about that Sky Guy. Sky Guy 2.0. Sniffs can get out of here with that nonsense for now. So, uh, <laughs> and if you're not a... Star Wars, uh, the Clone Wars fan, then you won't know what I'm talking about, and if you are, then you're probably embarrassed of me and shaking your head right now, and that's okay, I don't mind, I'm embarrassed of you too, <laughs> so here we go, uh, one thing that really, uh, I don't know how to talk about this movie, because I talked about the other movies all in the context of starting from The Phantom Menace, and how the first three movies are the tragedy of Darth Vader, or the fall of Anakin Skywalker, and the original trilogy is the redemption of Anakin Skywalker, and through his children, of course, he does not do it on his own, that's for darn sure, and uh, I kind of don't want to talk about that, I might get back to that in a little bit, but I just want to talk about some, I don't know, light, fluffy, like, insubstantive, insubstantive, is that the right word, unsubstantial things that I noticed in this movie, and then I, well, just haven't wanted to talk about, so... I'll do that now. Uh, I love, I absolutely love the cinematography and the establishing shots of these movies. Uh, specifically, you know, Lucas created the visual language of Star Wars, or, you know, his DP did, or whatever. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But whatever it is, it started in A New Hope, continued in Empire, and perhaps was perfected in Return of the Jedi, and then it just kept going, and it kept being consistent. And maybe there have been things done over the years to add to it or to improve it. But definitely the prequels echo and carry on. They, they reverberate. They not only echo, they reverberate. Isn't that the same thing twice? Yes, it is. Anyway, they echo and reverberate with this style. where It shows you where we get to see these grand spaces. We get to see these wide, distant, still shots, establishing shots, if you will. But they're more than establishing shots. They're establishment shots. They're what everything is based on. Because even though I 
love Star Wars as a story about characters and really a story about this family, so it's a very narrow focus. There's something absolutely gorgeous in the way it's presented and in the way it's, well, shot and directed and shown on screen. And it gives, I think it gives a certain weight to these places that we go, that we have these big, wide relatively long even though they're they are short um establishing scenes and it's not that we you know get to see a person moving through a hallway and they're wearing jedi robes so we know we're in the jedi temple first we see the jedi temple we see outside of jabba's palace after leia's been captured and you know and she's out of her uh, uh i can't remember the guy's name but she's out of her disguise where she's speaking ubis um so uh she's out of that disguise and she's you know captured with Jabba and you get this wide establishing shot with the silly, you know, toad thing eating a little critter. Um and I really like all that stuff and it doesn't stop. Endor, we get to see the beauty of the sanctuary mood of Endor and uh just it's just amazing. All all these different shots of these places, you really get to feel them, or at least I do. I feel something about these places based on, I believe, the way that they're framed and shot and portrayed to us. And then we get into all the crazy, kooky, uh, you know, Star Wars sci-fi, you know, Muppets and Puppets action. And I don't know, I just like it. And maybe the, uh, the affection for those types of shots was nurtured in me as I watched this as a kid. Maybe not. Maybe it's just good filmmaking and good filmmaking will always out. I don't know. Um, but I just wanted to remark on that because it's something I kept thinking about. I thought about it all through Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, Empire, A New Hope, and now Return of the Jedi. And I just, I had to say something about it. The uh, next thing I want to say is, as much as I appreciate the revolutions and the changes made in filmmaking, I find something charming about a lot of the original effects in uh, the original trilogy. In particular, I absolutely love, and I find it to be, I don't want to say it's actually beautiful because it's gruesome, but I do find it entertaining the way that the uh, effect is done for the lightning. And I'm talking specifically about when the uh, the Emperor, good old Sheev Sidious, <laughs> is uh, electrocuting Luke. You get this, you know, hand-drawn, animated on cells, uh, on the, you know, 35mm cells, uh, lightning attacking the guy. And that's really cool. <laughs> that's really neat how that effect is done. Uh, I also love it in Gremlins too, when the Gremlins are getting electrocuted at the end there. Um, and anyway, just, the, I, I think animation is beautiful, and I think animation is really special, and I don't quite know why it is, but I think it is. And one of the things that's really neat and that you know proves that care and attention to detail went into this is that at one point the lightning like dances across Mark Hamill, you know, Luke Skywalker's teeth as he's getting electrocuted. And that's just special. And not only does it look neat, but it's like it looks neat from an attached perspective. It looks painful from an attached perspective. And really thinking about getting into the character and the anguish that the actor is portraying. Like, that's got to be its own special little version of hell where you're being electrocuted. You know, lightning is consistently being flowed through your body against your will, which I never knew of lightning ever being flowed through someone's body with their will. But anyway, this is against their will. And 
uh, it's even going across your teeth and, and hurting you in that special way that uh, you thought only a dentist could do. So it's just kind of interesting. It's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting detail and it shows like the savagery and the brutality of the emperor of Sidious and perhaps of the Sith themselves. And it's interesting because while this is one man being made to suffer and one man being put through pain, you could say that it is emblematic of the kind of pain and the sadistic joy, the sadistic nature, and the callousness and disregard for you know, decency and human life that characterizes Sidious and everything that he does to the galaxy. And uh, I did not mean to say this, but I spiked, I, I set up the ball for myself, so I'm going to spike it now. And that's why I think people who say that the Empire did nothing wrong or the Empire of the Good Guys are crazy. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like how evil Sidious is because of what a threat it makes him and how serious of a threat it makes him and how imperative it makes it that he is neutralized, that the Sith are put at bay. I wanted to say something else, but I, I'll leave that for another another time. Getting into the into the Revenge of the Sith, probably. Um, so anyway, I liked all that. Um, what else? From a story perspective, seeing Luke get to the point where he has to be willing to confront Anakin, it's unclear if or to confront Vader. It sure seems as if Ben and Yoda are content with the idea that Luke has to kill Vader, that he has to kill Sidious. And I don't know if they think that him killing Vader will power him up, level him up, so to speak, uh, so that he will be able to then kill Sidious, or if, I don't know, they're just kind of taking things on faith and they're taking it one Sith at a time. <laughs> I live my life one Sith at a time. Uh, one Sith slaying at a time, perhaps. Um, sorry. So, like, I wonder if that's their perspective. It's a little unclear. I can see where the advice and the counsel that they're giving Luke is meant to shore him up and prevent him from falling to the dark side, from himself becoming a Sith, from being pulled into the treacherous Sith trap and... Obviously, that's a good thing. They don't want the suffering to persist and to continue. Um, but then, you know, they kind of have their contingency plan. They don't know what Luke's going to do necessarily. But then they kind of have their contingency plan that if he fails, then Leia can take over and carry on his training. And I suppose, had Luke died or fallen to the dark side, that then Yoda and Ben would have both appeared to her as Force ghosts and taught her to be a Jedi and given her the capability to kill or redeem her brother uh it's unclear from the film itself uh if like luke is in absolute rebellion against ben and yoda by going off to save vader he feels like he must face him and ben never tells him you have to kill vader but he says you must confront him so that's a little dodgy it's a little bit of using a technicality to get out of doing something but and uh luke did confront Vader. He confronted Vader and he appealed to the Anakin within him and ultimately 
that's what brought him into safety. That's what, you know, pulled or awoken. That's what, that's what, that's what woke up Anakin uh, from the shell of Darth Vader and got him to choose something else. To choose to give up his own life for another as opposed to take the lives of others to save his own or to save the life of somebody near him. I guess if you put it that way, he traded Sidious's life for Luke's life, which is what he did with the younglings and Padme, but mechanically it's the same, but I think morally it's definitely different, and I think uh, you can see the differences there, although um, maybe there's a little bit of a weakness in the way that was structured so that it could have been stronger, but really, okay, here's what it is. Anakin gave up his own life as he knew when he fought against Sidious that he would die, and there was something... I believe I can't remember if it was in this movie or if it was in Empire, but when Vader tells Luke, "You don't understand the power of the dark side. I must obey my master." I think I kind of think that was in this way in, in the elevator scene after the he was armed only with this, which I love that line. That line delivery it's so fun. Anyway, um, but he tells him that. So like this this does work. It is the moral uh, answer, the moral uh, repairing of his moral failing before. Anakin wanted to save Padme and their unborn child. In order to do that, he murdered a bunch of people. At no risk to himself, I'll say, because he was so powerful. Anakin, Vader, Vader turned his back on the Sith at his own risk. He, as Anakin, picked up and threw the Emperor. Even though he knew he would die, he knew his life would, not only would it be forfeit, but he would be dead by the end of this uh, scenario. And he did it all for the sake of saving his son. And I think that's a really big deal, and it shows uh, a growth, and it shows the ascension from selfishness to selflessness, that Vader didn't care anymore if he died and he had to lose and give up all his power. He loved his son, and he wanted to save his life, because in that moment, him giving up his life could afford him uh, that. And, like, would it have been more impactful if he had saved some Joe Schmo who he didn't know by killing the Emperor and, you know, ending his own life? Probably, but that's not what we got here. Uh, you know, it's his son who compels him to that act of selflessness. And I don't think it is accurate to say that parents' selflessness towards their children is not valid because their children are known to them and uh, deserving of their love. Because you can still be a bad, neglectful parent and refuse to give your children what they need in favor of giving yourself what you need or want, uh, as the case often is, uh, because of your selfishness ruling over the selflessness that you could show and express. So, anyway. I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I really like that. <laughs> um, I thoroughly enjoy the idea that Leia posed as a super deadly, uh, if pint-sized, bounty hunter and threatened to blow up herself and... 3PO and R2 and Chewbacca and you know Jabba and a bunch of other people uh, if he didn't pay her the right price like that was a really cool move that was uh it was very cool like that whole Jabba's palace sequence is like weird and a little honestly looking back at it it's a little too edgy a little too dark for me in some ways like uh well it's yeah I wish people were dressed more appropriately there I'll, I'll say that for sure um you know, the slave dancers are one thing. Slave dancers in, you know, practically no clothing at all. That's another thing that I think 
honestly is awful. Especially if Lucas said that, you know, Star Wars is for 12-year-olds. You're not supposed to say this. Well, I don't want my 12-year-old seeing that. I personally uh, would refrain from seeing that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that means I'm never going to watch this movie again, because it's it, this is my favorite Star Wars movie, but it's just, uh, you know, I'll, I can look away. Um, anyway, not good stuff there. Um, so, a little strange. A little strange, a little moralizing for me there, but that's okay. You can handle it. You're you're an adult. I know you can handle a difference of opinion. And I know you can handle nuance. So we're going to be okay. Anyway, so that whole like you know 30 to 45 minute beginning adventure where they're saving Han is really cool. And it's interesting because like the opening crawl doesn't really set us up for this is going to be the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. It's, hey, these rebels are having a hard time. They are on the back foot still. They're having trouble. And uh, the Empire is about to make a big move. And... These guys are in trouble. And then you get into the movie, and there's the rescue of Han, and it's not that he's such a valuable asset that he helps the rebellion be where it needs to be, um, but he's pulled back into the adventure by his friends uh, saving him, and then you get to see their next big adventure. But in the meantime, you know, Luke takes his little side trip, his detour, to Dagobah, and that puts him in the frame of mind of, you know, he eventually is one day going to, uh, confront Vader, and it's just interesting how, it's just interesting how, you know, ostensibly, like if this were a TV show or something, this could have been, like, the end of an arc, or the high point of an arc that sets up Luke to have a confrontation with the big bad being Vader, and the bigger bad being Sidious, you know, years down the line, uh, but, you know, in story, in universe, and in the movie, it's not that far away, uh, you know, time-wise, whereas it, you know, it really could have been. They could have flash-forward 10 years, because why not? Uh, we've done that before, right? Um, so, that's kind of interesting that, you know, you have this little adventure, and it kind of ties things up, and it gives, like, it gives the rebels a victory, even though it's more, you know, Luke and his friends, it gives them a victory, and it's, things are tidy, and then it re- it's kind of like there's two movies, you know? It reintroduces this big threat from the Empire, and it's almost like a, a redux of, uh, you know, the attack on Yavin 4, and, uh, you know, the fight with the original Death Star, except people are in different places and, and doing you know, slightly different things, and you have the more direct, you know, obviously you have the more direct confrontation between Vader and Sidious and, uh, and Luke. And it's just, it's, it's kind of unexpected. Like, it didn't have to be this way. You know, we could have never met the Emperor. I know he's an Empire, but he's just hologram in that. And, you know, he could have stayed that way for a long time. And there could have been the looming threat out there. But that's not what we got. Um, I, know, I like the parallel of how Luke is, uh, you know, tempted. And I feel like he's giving into the dark side a little bit in his fight with Vader. Like, I think he essentially uses and taps into the dark side in order to overpower Vader and defeat him. And it's not until the Emperor is clapping and laughing and telling him, like, great, you're using the dark side, this is exactly what you need to do, my young apprentice, which this is not the first time he's called him his apprentice. I think it's not until Luke throws his lightsaber that he rejects the light, uh, the dark side, and he embraces the Force in its, you know, fullness, you could say, and he does the right thing, he does the generative thing, he does the life-giving thing, which is, no, I'm not going to fight you, and kind of, I'm going to have faith that my friends are going to kill you, and my dad, and me, all on this ship, um, and, you know, wipe out and end your evil, because that's not something I'm capable to do, all I'm 
Yeah, interesting. It's kind of like a very humble move. Like, look, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to cause the distraction. I'm going to be the diversion, which will enable you to kill them. Because while I cannot take them on on my own 100%, I can serve as a distraction and as a diversion, which will enable you, my friends, with all this great, you know, might of, I don't know, a dozen uh, rebel, you know, cruisers, uh, cruiser class ships, plus all the fighters and stuff, and the ground crew, to be able to take out these two men. So it's like, I'm this one man who knows enough to be dangerous and who knows enough to be a distraction so that a whole army can take out two guys and uh that's that's very interesting talk about selflessness and you know choosing to put yourself at risk to to save others to save your friends to save those you care about um that's definitely what luke's doing i think that's the jedi way and uh i don't know i think it's really cool i i you know i like the story of redemption of anakin but it's not just about him and it's not just about his redemption it's about the struggle that luke has to a lesser extent that leia has um with who they are and the power they have and what they can do with it or what they will choose to do with it so i mean you could say ultimately star wars is about showing you you know what i mean, maybe showing you that your choices do matter and showing you that you know, having the will to stand up and fight for what's right and the will to do the right thing, even if it hurts, is a good thing. And it's a, you know, really, you know, it's a really good moral to have. And uh, it's a good way to live, even if it, you know, might end your life quickly, uh, which, of course, doesn't happen for our heroes. But they're definitely at risk of it a lot. So, I don't know. It's like, it's very cool, but it's also, I think, instructive and encouraging and... I like so much of it. Um, anyway, I'm a big fan. I really like these movies. Uh, oh, one last kind of fun, cool thing is I like how you, even though Vader's wearing a death mask, which is what it's been referred to by several characters, um, probably even in like the novelization of Return of the Jedi, New Hope, and Empire Strikes Back, um, you know, Vader's death, ma death mask, uh, it gets to be emotional the way that he uh moves around his body and his head the way he's looking at different things the way the lighting lightning flashes onto his face as he's or you know his mask as you know luke's being electrocuted all these different things they really they work together in a really interesting way to make it feel like there is emotion coming through uh through vader even though you know there shouldn't be and i think that's pretty interesting i think it's a cool cinematic trick and yeah, I think it's neat. So, again, my verdict is uh, Return of the Jedi is probably the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. One of the greatest movies of all time. I really like it. And now that I've watched all of this, I'm very happy with the state of Star Wars. Now I'm going to watch Ahsoka, and I'll let you know how I'm feeling about the state of Star Wars. Because, uh, honestly, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this in the first episode of, of this or not, but I didn't watch uh, Mando Season 3. I didn't watch... And or I, how could you be interested in that show? Just the premise of it doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. Um, I didn't watch Kenobi. Uh, I didn't watch Bad Batch Season 2. Uh, I didn't watch Visions 1 or 2 or Tales of the Jedi. I watched one episode of Tales of the Jedi, and it was really cool. It was with Ahsoka and like, her mom and dad and stuff. Anyway, it was like a wolf sort of thing. That was kind of interesting. Um, so, 
I'm a little dubious about certain things, and I'm definitely not a Star Wars hater. I'm a Star Wars lover. I've been enjoying the books, the EU books, recently, and I listened to one of the the, the uh, Lando and Luke book, and that was interesting. I won't say much more about it now, but it was not the book I was looking for. Let me, let me say that. So, you know, I'm giving it a chance. I like Clone Wars. I like uh, Rebels. I like... Uh, Ahsoka's appearances in Rebels and what she did there. And I'm curious as to see what Filoni will do uh, with her. I like what he did in Mando Seasons 1 and 2. Um, so we'll see what happens. And I didn't stay away from these things because of the reviews. I stayed away from these things because I'm trying to do a lot of other stuff. Write other things, uh, watch and review other stuff, and uh, pursue uh, my drawing and my creative work and you know get myself to be a published author so i only have so much time but i thought you know what i'm interested enough in the ahsoka character and in seeing you know where this goes and how they're going to tie together thrawn and ezra and all these things from rebels and you know it's this continuation of you know rebels is like a continuation of clone wars and the show's like a continuation of that and i really love clone wars so like you know where's that gonna go um so we shall see what i think about uh this newfangled ahsoka show what floney does with it and how i feel like it gels with these movies because i feel like these six movies are fantastic and that all of star wars should gel with them I'm not saying it can't be different from them at all but it needs to gel with them and we're gonna see what i think about that after i watch Ahsoka. i'll talk about it as a show first and then i'll talk about how it blends in with the rest of uh with the rest you know with the star wars saga so anyway until next time folks this is mj signing out i hope you take care of yourselves and uh yeah that's it i hope you enjoyed that Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around, you're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.